Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. It is great to be here. Eric has asked me to come out three different times over the last year, and twice I've had to cancel at the last minute due to health issues or the family crisis, but I'm healthy today, I'm here today, I'm hyped today, thank you. I bring you greetings from Restore Community Church in Kansas City. Uh, What my role is these last years in the kingdom of God is coaching young pastors and coaching young church planters. A few years ago, God said to me, are you willing to be the old man to the young church planters in town, and I said, who you calling old? But he began to show me to leverage my age and my experience and not run from it. So we coach uh, guys and gals that are planting young churches, new churches. And uh, in the last 14 years, Restore is 14 years old as a church. We've planted 55 other churches. So it's been fun, and uh, that's what I do. I do miss South Florida. It's snowing in Kansas City. I miss South Florida, but it is uh, where God's got us, and I'm grateful for that. Um, my wife, Mary, who many of you know, she's better known than I am in, in every way, writes books. She writes women's devotions, but she writes books. And one of the books she wrote a year ago that I love the most is called Sandpaper People. And the subtitle is Dealing with People Who Rub You the Wrong Way. Now, I didn't realize for a couple of years after she wrote the book that she wrote it about me. <laughs> I mean, she did. I, I could be difficult to live with. I could be difficult to deal with. I can be a sandpaper person. So in this series, we're talking about the vampire people in your life. No, we don't believe in literal vampires, but we've all experienced people who can suck the life right out of you. My wife's term would be sandpaper people. Uh, Here's the scientific term, black hole people. People who just create a vacuum everywhere they go and consume everything around them. The Florida term, sinkhole people. You with me? They just uh, just swallow up the ground and everything that happens. There are difficult people in your life. And here's the deal. If you don't have a difficult person in your life, you're probably the difficult person. (laughs) So turn to your neighbor one more time and say, might be you. (laughs) Tell him. Just just kind of, just hint that. Yeah, we have counseling available afterwards (laughs) if uh, this causes difficulties. Uh, So here's our title, Dealing with with the difficult people in your life. The biggest problem in the world today is people. It's also the biggest opportunity. And I think difficult people are both the biggest problem and the biggest opportunity. We all have strategies for dealing with these folks. Pick out your favorite. Here's a few. We avoid them or we run from them. I like that one. I see them coming, I just make a U-turn. You know, it's just like, oh, I forgot something over here. We change them. I've tried that. Doesn't work. We ignore them. Or my personal favorite, we try to give them away to somebody else. (laughs) We all have difficult people. Is that all there is? I mean, really, let's just ask the question. Are those strategies all there is? Or is there a God-honoring way to deal with difficult people? 
Is there a way that helps the difficult person change and helps you change as well? Here's the big idea for today's teaching, the one thing we're gonna unpack all the way through. We can choose to deal with difficult people in God-honoring ways. Now, that's not what usually happens in my life. If I'm operating on my own, I save my worst behavior for my difficult people. But I believe they deserve my best behavior. They deserve God-honoring behavior. Here's our verse today. We're going to say it out loud together. I'll read it once, get you to join me the second time, and we're going to unpack it for the rest of our teaching today. It's out of Ephesians 2. I love this verse, a life verse for me. For we are all God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Would you read that in your best? I'm awake, I've had coffee, and I came in in the rain, so I'm ready to go voice, okay? I want to really hear it. Let's read it all together. For we are all God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Let's get the rest of it. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, stay with me. Do you see the word masterpiece in that verse? It says we are all God's masterpiece. The Greek word is the word poema, P-O-E-M-A. Anybody want to guess what English word we get from that? We get the word poem from that. God says you are his poem. You are his work of art. You are his masterpiece. Now, he did not say you're a real piece of work. <laughs> he said you're a work of art. Those are two different things. And when it says we are all God's masterpiece, that's that Greek word for all that means all. It means every single one. So what has this got to do with difficult people? Look this way. We are all, parentheses, including your difficult people, God's masterpiece that he created and that he created to do good works, good things that he planned long ago. So how are we going to deal with difficult people? We know our strategy. What's the God strategy for difficult people? Here's how I want you to listen today. Have a difficult person in your mind. Don't look at them. Don't elbow them. First service, I saw some people, you know, no, no, that, don't, don't do that. Just get your difficult person in your mind. And all through the teaching today, ask God to speak to you about how you need to treat your difficult person. Three things, one of them's got your name on it. First, we choose to love our difficult people. We choose to love them. The verse says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us. Your difficult person is God's masterpiece. He's God's creation. You have to choose to love them. Now, why is that a big deal? Check this out. Difficult people desperately need someone who will look beyond their abrasive behavior to recognize their worth. They need somebody to recognize their worth. They need somebody to love them. See, difficult people have been, been, they've allowed somebody or something to assign a false identity to them. 
And the reason they keep acting out is they don't believe they're any good at anything. They don't believe they are good for anyone. So they act out to get some kind of attention and some kind of affection, even negative attention, they perceive as positive affection. It's because they're not loved. It's because they don't feel loved. If they're so desperate for love and so desperate to fit in, they try on new identities like other people try on new clothes. Difficult people fail to understand that their identity was established before the world began in Christ Jesus. But they're not the only ones. We tend to not understand that the difficult people in our lives were put in our lives for the purpose of God and planned in our lives for the purpose of God. So that's where we come in. We make the deliberate choice to love a sandpaper person. When we do that, we're inviting God to work in us. Now here's the key idea for this love thing. This is the only way it works. Check it out. Allow God to love your difficult people. Are you watching this? Through you. If you could love your difficult people, you already would. It's hard to love somebody you don't like. Is that true? I mean, it's hard to love somebody you don't like. And I got people I don't like. And I'm sure right now there are people thinking, yeah, Sutherland's hard to like. I know that is true. So I don't say, God, help me love them. That's not the prayer. I don't say I'm going to love them. If it kills me, it will. God, you say they're a masterpiece. You say you created them. You say you've got a plan for them. Help me love them. Love them through me. Love them through me. God's the source. I'm the funnel. That's all we are. I don't create the love for difficult people. Are you kidding? I don't want difficult people. But God will love them through us if we will allow him to do that. He loves all his children. Check this out. He loves all his children the same. He loves you just as much as he loves your difficult person. And when I ask God to give me his love for them, he will do so. Now, I'm gonna tell a story, and these are all true people, and I'm using their real names, okay? I got permission before I came. I want to tell you first about Joe. I call him Diamond in the Rough Joe. When I first knew him, he was just rough. There was no diamond part. But Joe loved me. He wanted to spend time with me. He drained me. He vampired me. He sandpapered me. He black holed me. He wasn't trying to. It's just who he was. Have you ever had a dog that follows you everywhere and wants to be petted constantly, and real honestly, you're just tired of the dog? Dog's name is Joe. I mean, that was this guy. And I began praying, Lord, he's driving me nuts. He wants time I don't have. He wants affection I don't have. What do I do? God kind of whispers in my ear. How about you let me love Joe through you? Okay, God, I'm game for that. What's that mean? Discipling. Spend time with him. Now, I'm arguing with God. I don't know if you argue with God. I argue with God. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. It's interesting to me how people go, Lord, I'm a little bit angry about this. No! Just tell him I'm mad. 
I don't want to disciple Joe. I want Joe to go away. Disciple him. Spend time with him. Let me love Joe through you. So I start hanging out with Joe every week. At first, it drove me nuts. And then I noticed the guy was changing. Maybe faster than anybody I'd ever discipled. I mean, he's becoming more like Jesus. He's thinking about other people. Comes to me one day and says, hey, Dan, I know I'm a difficult person, but I've got a real heart for adults with learning disabilities, and I think I'm gonna go and be a house parent in one of those programs, because since I'm difficult, I'll be good with other difficult people. He becomes a part-time house parent for challenged adults, then a full-time house parent. He's good at it. They love him. These are all difficult people, but he loves it. Then he starts volunteering at the church to work with challenged people, and he becomes part-time on our staff. And today, Joe the Rough, now Joe the Diamond in the Rough, is a full-time pastor in one of the most difficult towns in the state of Kansas where there are three prison systems and all kinds of struggling people, and he is pastoring a church full of difficult people. Is that cool? And I wanted to blow him off. I, I decided he wasn't worth it. Till God said, you asked me, I'm gonna love him through you. Here's a cool piece, how things come full circle. Joe is now pastoring my 38-year-old son. Does that just rock? I mean, does that just sound like God? There are difficult people in your life who desperately need to be loved. Can you do it? Nope. Can you be the channel, the funnel through which God loves them? Yes, you can. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can even love you in Jesus. Tell them. In Jesus. Scripture says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That verse is not written about people that are easy to love. You don't have to endure people that are easy to love. You don't have to work to believe them. You don't have to have hope. You, you already have hope. You don't have to, to just bear with them. This is written for difficult people who we all can be at different times. First thing, I choose to let God love them. I choose to love my difficult people. Secondly, I choose to encourage my difficult person. I choose to encourage them. Most of us just endure our difficult people. And we kind of got a knot in our fist and our fists are like this and we've got a stomach knotted up and we're gritting our teeth and I'm gonna endure them, I'm gonna put up with it. Boy, that's lots of fun. Especially when they're in your life for years at a time. All I gotta say is the word in-laws and some of you understand what I'm saying. Others of you are going, I'm blessed with in-laws, I'd trade my folks for them. All of us have got somebody that we are tempted to just endure. But enduring your difficult person is a losing strategy. Encouraging your difficult person is the winning strategy. Encouraging your difficult person is the God-blessed strategy. Back to our verse. We are all God's masterpiece. We talked about that part. He created us. Check this out. What did he create us to do? 
You created us new in Christ Jesus to do good things. He created us to do good. And we are all his masterpiece. Now, I understand good people doing good things. I buy that. I understand likable people doing good things. I buy that. Difficult people doing good things. I have a difficult time seeing that. But they can and they will if we encourage it. I'm a person who loves to study the history of words, the etymology of how words have evolved in different languages over the years. Encourage is an interesting word. The literal first meaning of the word encourage was to put courage in someone. To put courage in someone. In other words, to I encourage them. I think it ought to be spelled I in. To I encourage them. I take part of my confidence, I give it to them. I take part of my courage, I give it to them. I take part of my belief, I give it to them. Difficult people have nearly no one that believes in them. It's a lonely place. They have almost no one to encourage them. All the people in their lives just endure them. They just put up with them. But they need somebody to encourage them to do good things. Why were we created? To do good things. Why were difficult people created? To do good things. Many people just need an encouragement. They just need a cheerleader. I'm going to tell you about a boy that was in my son's second grade class. That would have been 30 years ago. Wow, I'm dating myself. He was going to Flamingo Road School, which was an elementary school there at the church, and he was in Miss Chisholm's class. Some of you know who Miss Chisholm is from way, way back. And Jared was in this class. There was another boy in the class. His real name is Kyle. I'm calling him Kyle. Who was a total difficult person. He was a brat. He was a brute. He was a bully. Nobody liked Kyle. Nobody. About eight, nine weeks into the school year, in the fall, Kyle shows up on a Monday morning with both arms in a cast. Both arms. Cast on this arm, all the way from mid-shoulder, over the wrist, one of those hand wrap things, cast in this arm. Walking around the only way he could walk around. You know, they're at an angle. You can't bend them. You can't do much with them. He just, he's got this cast because this thing came all the way up. I don't know what he did, but man, he did it well. And Miss Chisholm stands in front of the second grade class and says, class, Kyle has managed to break both of his arms. He's going to be in these casts for eight weeks. He's going to need somebody to help carry his books. He's going to need somebody to help him study. At that moment, he couldn't even hold a, pen, a pencil or a pen. He's going to need somebody to help him do his work. He's going to need somebody to help feed him. And here's the catcher. And he's going to need somebody to help him in the bathroom. Who would like to volunteer to be Kyle's assistant? Are you kidding? Now, if I'd have been in the class, I'd have said, nope, nope. Kid can starve to death. You know, he can figure it out. Yeah, ain't happening. After an awkward silence, my son, second grader, 
raises his hand, Jared does, and says, I'll do it, Miss Chisholm. Now, when he told me this that night, I'm going, you did what? <laughs> yeah, Dad, I'm going to help you. And over the next eight weeks, he helped him with homework. He helped him with his books. He helped him eat lunch. He helped him when he had to go to the bathroom. He's doing all kinds of stuff. And a crazy thing happens in the class. Kyle begins softening up a little bit. He kind of quits being the bully and the brute because he can't. And because Jared is loving on Kyle, everybody else starts saying, this kid must be okay if Jared likes him. He must be all right. And we literally watch this kid's behavior change in two months because he found a cheerleader. I didn't figure that out. My second grade boy figured that out. Sometimes our kids are our greatest teachers. There is somebody in your life who desperately needs your encouragement. Now, why does that work? Here's the thing. Encourage your difficult person to do good. What you celebrate, they will duplicate. What's celebrated in life gets duplicated in life. This is why when you're teaching your kids when they're little and you're potty training them, you've all stood there and go, good job, good job. Way to go. I'm, you know, I haven't cheered that for many people in my life. But I have cheered that for my kids and my grandkids because I want them to figure it out. I kind of like it when the stuff's in the toilet and not in the floor. <laughs> we all do. So we try to find ways to encourage them. Go crazy when you catch them doing something good. They'll duplicate it. Encourage them toward the good. They'll move toward the good. Cheer for them when they do right. They will repeatedly do right. First, some of us need to choose to love our difficult person by letting Jesus love them through us. Some of us need to choose to encourage our difficult person. We've already hinted at the third one, but here's the third God-honoring strategy. We have to choose to celebrate, to celebrate our difficult person. You heard me correctly. Celebrate. Not endure, celebrate. Not run from, celebrate. Look at the last part of the verse. It says that we're all God's masterpiece, created by God to do good things. Look at the last part, that he planned long ago. God knew that you would be here this day. He knew that before he created the world. He knew. He knew I'd be here this day. He planned good things for all of us to do. Long ago, before he created the world, he had a plan for us. And that includes having a plan for your difficult person. Are you ready for this? They're part of your life because you need them. Oh, this is going to get personal. It's going to get personal. If you're going, I got a lot of difficult people in my life, you must have a lot of rough edges need to be worked on. You must have a lot of things still need to be done. Because God puts them in our lives. He planned it long ago. Here's the truth. 
Put it on Facebook this afternoon. You ready? God is more committed to your character than he is to your comfort. He's more committed to your character than he is to your comfort. I have prayed, God, take this person out of my life. And I've heard God say back, he's in your life because I put him there. I'm more committed to your character development than I am to your temporary comfort. I just want comfort. God wants me to be more like Jesus. This is why my wife calls them sandpaper people, because God uses them to rub the rough places off of your character, to rub the non-Jesus off of your character, to make you more like Jesus. Now think about this. This is huge. Jesus had constant, difficult people in his life. Constant. When he would go to teach in a public setting, the Pharisees, that's a word for the legalistic, rule-keeping, spiritual leaders of his day, would sit in the front row and as he tried to teach, would throw questions at him to throw him off. Can you imagine? Just stand up and say, yeah, but what about this? Or I don't believe that. What about this? Or the scripture says that. They were at him constantly. Difficult people. If that's not enough, he has Judas as one of his disciples. He knew for three years that Judas would betray him. And he still loved him. And he still encouraged him. And he still celebrated him. Here's the biggest one. Peter! Big mouth, big opinion, big fisherman, Peter. Peter never met anything that he couldn't talk about. Constantly trying to lead. Constantly leading the wrong way. He was absolutely a diamond in the rough. He was a difficult person. And Jesus spends three years with him and Peter is used by God to change the world after the resurrection. Now, here's a hint. If Jesus had constant difficult people, and we choose to follow Jesus, we're going to have constant difficult people. If you're looking for a stretch of life where you have no difficult people, it's not coming. God's going to move one into the empty house next door. He's going to move one into the empty desk at your workplace. He's going to help you to marry a family with difficult people or to raise a child that's your difficult person. Our kids are adopted. We have two, Jared and Dana, both live in Kansas City. They've given us six gorgeous grandkids, all in Kansas City. Love being there. My wife has told me, you can live wherever you want. I'm not leaving Kansas City. My grandkids are here. I'm not leaving. I get it. We tell people all the time that our kids were adopted, uh, and we also tell them because they're adopted, they're bright and beautiful, and we can brag on it. If we'd have had them biologically, they'd been dumb and ugly. <laughs> Some truth to that. But I have told my daughter every year of her life for 35 years, if you'd have been first, we'd have had one. <laughs> she was difficult, from the day we got her at three days old. 
You know, most babies, you go to hold them, and, and after a minute or two, they kind of wiggle in and snuggle in and, and settle into your chest, and it just feels right. From day three, she would push away. She'd literally ball up her fist between you and between your chest and her and just, just push away. Didn't want to be held. Didn't, didn't want to be comforted that way. Uh, as an elementary kid, the psychologist said she's a strong-willed child. As a teenager, young teenager, the psychologist said she's bipolar. As an older teenager, everybody said she's hell on wheels. Hell's a biblical word, look it up. <laughs> she left home at 17 and basically lived in total rebellion for five years. I remember asking my wife one time, why? Why did God put this child in our home? And she looked straight at me and said, because he knew we wouldn't give up. And the older I get, the more the voice of God sounds just like my wife. At age 22, she got pregnant before she was married, living with the wrong guy. And thankfully, she was bright enough to say, can I come home? So she moved to Kansas City right after we did. And if she were sitting here today, she would say these words. The birth of my son, Justice, cool name, saved my life. She had to grow up. She had to think about somebody besides herself. She had to get a job. She had to change who she was hanging out with. She had to start dating the right kind of guys. And for 22 years, I raised my difficult person. Today, she's one of my favorite people in the world. Amazing mom, awesome daughter, doesn't look anything like the person she used to be. Now, two things happened at age 22 that made a difference. Don't miss this. Thing one, she gave birth and had to grow up. Thing two, I realized that while it was true that Dana was my difficult person, it was equally true that I was hers. And the reason we drove each other nuts is we're just alike. Here's a truth that is huge and it happens most of the time. You ready for it? It's this idea. When you begin to celebrate your difficult person, God will change you before he changes them. That's his plan, by the way. He's not going to change them until you're willing for him to change you. When I decided that I would love her and I would encourage her and I would celebrate her, when I decided I was going to be her number one cheerleader, when I decided, forget the way she's lived, just love her like God loves her, let God love her through you, it all changed. There's nobody I love spending time with more than my daughter. Nobody. She makes me laugh. She makes me laugh so hard I cry. 
And when she starts telling stories about who she used to be, but who she is today, the whole world pays attention. Because God changed this difficult person into someone amazing. He did it through an unwanted, unplanned baby boy. Two thousand years ago, God decided, "I'm going to help people with their difficult people, and I'm going to do it through what they think is an unwanted, unplanned baby boy." And he's going to grow up and show them what it's like to love difficult people. What it's like to encourage difficult people. What it's like to celebrate difficult people. I want to invite you to do something with me. Nothing weird. I promise. Put your hands on your knees palms up. Would you do that? If you got stuff in your hands, put it away. Just put your hands on your knees, palms up. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Get your difficult person in your mind. If you got more than one, narrow it down. Get them in your mind. Because you're about to give them to Jesus. Warning, he's going to give them back. Would you pray with me? Father, I give you my difficult person. I can't love them the right way, Lord. Would you love them through me? I see their faults rather than their good things. Lord, would you teach me to encourage them when they do something right? And Father, I endure them more than I celebrate them. Would you Help me celebrate them today. And Father, for the moments that I'm the difficult person, would you change me? Take your unplanned, unwanted baby boy from our point of view, Jesus himself, Father. May he love and encourage and celebrate through us is our prayer in Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.